The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Conversations about what matters the most. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to State of the Nation. We are broadcasting live right here at today's News Talk. TNTradio.live is the website, so hop on over there on your browser, tablet, mobile phone, whatever. Join that interactive live chat room. Download the app. Make sure you have the app. All kind of resources in there. And, of course, the episodes, links, and the embedded live streaming video. I'm Brian McLean, call sign Hesher, live out of Central Texas. I'm here with Steve Hook out of New Jersey. Steve, it's great to see you today. How's it going? Yeah, good, Hesh. It's good to see you, brother. We got a big, big show, and I'm... Looking very forward to it and trying something new in the in the second hour. We'll just kind of tease with that. Just kind of yeah. tease with that. Yeah, we'll leave we'll leave it leave a teaser there. But uh, we do have something fun and uh, unique lined up. Maybe a first here on today's news talk in the second hour. And in the first yep. hour, we got great guests lined up. So uh, yeah, really happy to be here with you now, Steve. I got a story out of California. I got to bring here um, out of uh, Corcoran. All right, a California prison inmate confessed in a letter that he beat two child molesters to death with a cane while behind bars just hours after his urgent warning to a counselor that he might become violent was ignored. So uh, this was breaking news last week. I saw it over the weekend. Uh, This guy, Jonathan Watson, age 41, confessed in a letter to the Bay Area News Group in Northern California that he clubbed both men in the head on January 16th at the California Substance Abuse Treatment Facility and State Prison in Corcoran. Um, prisoner Bob uh, David Bob, 48, died that day, and one Graham DeLewis Conti, 62, died three days later in a hospital. Both were serving life sentences for aggravated sexual assault of a child under 14 years old. Um, they can't really comment on the investigation, but I did see a quote from um, from Jonathan Watson, who says he's changing his name to Caesar Augustus, by the way. And he said, quote, if you keep sending them here, I'll keep killing them. That's pretty crazy, man. So, yeah, he said that if you keep sending them here, I'll keep killing them. Absolutely amazing. So. Uh, you know, Watson is serving a life uh, life sentence for a 2009 murder conviction. I found fascinating about the story was the fact that he warned them. He goes, look, man, you keep sending me around these guys. I'm going to do something crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is a guy who's serving a life sentence, right? Okay, let's let me just... <laughs> Let me just think about this for a second here, Steve. This is a guy who's, if if my understanding is correct, is serving a life sentence because he killed someone who violently raped his sister. Okay, so he, you know, he, you know, how that goes. That's a very emotional thing. And that's what he's in jail for. He has a life sentence, right, for killing someone who raped his sister violently. And I just got to compare his case. I don't know all the details, but I just want to compare his case to a story that we talked about last year a couple times on the Brian McLean show and subsequently on State of the Nation, which was that in California in 2022, I believe, maybe 2021 or both, 
uh, there was an over a thousand, over a thousand sexual predators, child sexual predators that were let out with less than a year sentence. So mm. the fact that this guy is serving life, you know, for a retribution killing, you know, uh, I'm not saying I'm not forgiving that by him, but it's understandable to many people who've been through this, right, Steve? Um, yeah. To put someone like that in, see him not get, you know, let out as other child molesters and, and you know, child sexual uh, pedo rats are being let out early. I don't know. There's a lot of lenses through which one could look at a, a story like this, Steve. Yeah, and you know, I, I, it, it, the the story is crazier the more you dig into it because, first of all, I would be very interested in knowing what the recidivism rate on these child molesters are. I know it's way high, so when you leave, uh, uh, let a bunch of them out, a bunch of them are going to recommit. I mean, that's just a fact. And this guy has a personal family history with child sexual abuse. And so much so that he, he, you know, Caesar waged a little bit of justice against the attacker of his own sister. But this was the thing that really struck me. He had told the counselor, move me out of there before I really expletive one of these dudes up. I'm thinking F one of these dudes up. The counselor scoffed and snickered and sent him back to the cell. And now he had already told this counselor that this guy, in defiance of everyone there and just kind of thumbing his nose at him, was watching PBS children's programming just to kind of say, ha, 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 I get to still watch yeah. kids. So he says, I was mulling it over when along came molester number one, and he put his TV right back on PBS kids again. But this time someone else said something to the effect of, is this guy really going to watch this crap right in front of us? And I recall saying, I got this. And I picked up my cane and I went to work on him. And that's the molester number one. Then he says, he went to turn himself in in the housing pod and he saw a known child trafficker. And I figured, would I just do everybody a favor in for a penny, in for a pound? And then he killed the second guy right there. Bam, bam. And then goes, turns himself into the guard and says, here's my cane. And the guard at first didn't believe him. And then he saw a big bloody mess in the corner of the cell. And they believed him this time, didn't they? Crazy yeah, story. Yeah absolutely insane story and and not really a lot of coverage on it it was kind of hard to find I actually saw it in a meme first or a, you know a short image screenshot sort of thing on social media and i used so many search terms to try to get to it and it was uh definitely a little bit buried in the algorithms so uh glad we were able to bring that up i'll close it out by with this quote from him he said being a lifer i'm in a unique position where i sometimes have access to these people and I have so little to lose. And trust me, we get it. These people are every parent's worst nightmare. At TNT Radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7, online, globally, no matter what. We got you covered on TNT Radio. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT Right here out of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott has signed a border security bill into law that will give state law enforcement broad authority to arrest migrants who have entered Texas illegally and will allow local judges to order such migrants out of the country. Here with the story joining us now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Ruckus, uh, this is interesting. What do you got for us? This is, uh, I believe it's SB4. Um 
Yeah, critics are not happy about this, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, but this is Senate Bill 4. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a go, everybody. Uh, clearly a brazen um, <laughs> challenge to the power of the federal government, in this case, uh, its authority over the enforcement of U.S. immigration law. What enforcement of U.S. immigration law? Am I right? Um, so, yeah, the, the law is actually going to take effect in March, uh, and it allows any Texas law enforcement officer, including those who are hundreds of miles away, if I'm not mistaken, um, to arrest people who are suspected of entering the country illegally. Um, yeah, once in custody, they can either agree to a Texas judge's order to leave the United States, see, because it's a misdemeanor, or be prosecuted on the misdemeanor charges of illegal entry. Migrants who don't leave could face arrest again under more serious felony charges. Uh, now, the Governor Abbott, who signed the law in front of a section of border fence in Brownsville, Texas, predicted that the number of people crossing illegally into Texas would drop by, quote, well over 50, maybe 75 percent, end quote. Uh, he didn't offer any evidence for the estimate, but he said it. Uh, he also said, quote, the consequences of it are so extreme that the people being smuggled by the cartels, they will not want to be coming into the state of Texas, end quote. Um, yes, uh, so it's, it's certainly going to cause a tension point, uh, yet another one over the immigration debacle. Uh, there's been a struggle uh, going on between the White House and Senate negotiations to reach a deal on border security. Um, Republicans in Congress demanding changes to the immigration system in exchange for any more help for Ukraine, Israel, or any other national security needs, really. Texas Republicans have increasingly challenged the U.S. government's authority over immigration. They insist that President Joe Biden's administration is not doing enough to control the 1,950-mile-long southern border. Uh, and in response, Texas has bussed more than 65,000 migrants to cities across America, starting back in August of 2022, and they recently installed razor wire along the banks of the Rio Grande, which has snagged and injured some asylum seekers. I believe also uh, just yesterday on December 18th, U.S. Customs and Border Protection temporarily shut down two railroad, railroad border crossings in Texas in order to shift officers to help process migrants. They shut down Eagle Pass and El Paso. Um, so there's a lot going on with this immigration stuff. And as I said, the critics are not very happy about the governor's move in Texas. Uh, but Hesher, you're alongside with me here in Texas. What do you think about what our governor just did? Well, you know, I've been pretty critical of Greg Abbott for, you know, at least since COVID came along was when I started really like Hawkeyeing every move that he makes. And you know, uh, we've had this Operation Lone Star running here in Texas and uh, tens of millions of uh, taxpayer dollars going into Operation Lone Star. And every time I see something like this, I can't help but just think about all that money, all those tens of millions of dollars that went into Lone Star. And uh, what's the return on investment, I guess, is the big question here. Uh, the return on investment has been very much um, nothing. For me, personally, uh, as a Texan, I see a lot of media, I see a lot of buses, I see, you know, all this stuff. Uh, it's great uh, media warfare, you know what I mean? It's like, but is, is all those tens of millions of dollars going to information warfare? 
uh, political information warfare? Is it the right kind of political information warfare? Or is it cloaked in what appears to be the right kind of information warfare? But then, you know, we get legislation, attempts at legislation. And I start to wonder, as you know, I'm a fan of Ken Paxton. I think Ken Paxton's doing a good job, but I'm very dubious of the governor at the same time. So uh, will it go anywhere? Will it work? I don't know. You know, I mean, that last one that he did with the uh, the buoys, right? Uh, I think that was uh, basically struck down by one of the courts. So, hmm, I don't know. Uh, I have a hard time believing that the rubber shall meet the road here, but I remain hopeful. Ruckus, what do you think, Steve? Well, I don't live in Texas, but I do know that um, um, the buoy thing was struck down, but Texas uh, appealed that. I remember that, and they kept it up for a while. And uh, the CBP officers that I saw interviewed on TV were saying it had great, great deterrent effect. Of course, then the Fed stepped in and said, no, this time we mean it. And it was taken apart and it was uh, cut wide open. And then we started seeing uh, train, uh, freight trains uh, with the, the tops covered with immigrants coming in. And then they shut down Eagle Pass uh, and, and relocate these guys so they can process more of them. Um, you know, I understand the cost to taxpayers. But one thing I will say that I like about this, what, what Abbott is doing is he is really spotlighting this issue. And as we get closer and closer to this election and more blue cities and more blue states start being financially crushed like you guys are in Texas with, and believe me, it's happening in New York. It's happening in L it's happening all over the place, as you know. So if, if, if Abbott puts this up and says, we're going to, I'm basically going to take the, 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 uh, the state troopers and tell them and the local cops, you have arresting authority and deportation authority to do this. You're basically just daring the feds to say, no, you can't do any of that. And that's not going to be good for the election for Biden. So maybe in the long run, it'll do some good. I don't know. You know, damn good. And well, the feds are going to fight this tooth and nail because they don't give a rip about either you Hesher or you ruckus or anybody else in the state of Texas uh, that has a problem with, a wide open Southern border. So at least Abbott's addressing it, but yeah, I'm kind of with you as far as how effective it's going to be. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it's a long-term strategy. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like that, that whole strategy of tension between, you know, insert state here and the federal government, be it the Supreme court or the Biden administration seems to kind of be lining up into a lot of dialectics like we're supposed to it's a bit of a steam valve i'm afraid ruckus anything further before we let you go yeah i'm not so sure what the feds can do about this steve last time i checked here in the united states of america the states have the rights to create their own laws um anyway yeah well um, they'll do it you know what they'll say you know what they'll say ruckus they'll say yes but immigration law is it's in the federal purview and we're going to overrule you on this because he didn't go to the National Guard because he know he knew Biden could just say, okay, National Guard, now we've been you've been federalized, uh, and now he's turning it over to his local law enforcement. In that regard, I think it's a stroke of genius. But I know the feds are going to fight it. How? We're going to have to wait and see, I guess. Well, to the to that end, real quick, the one who's leading the charge to quote unquote fight it would, of course, be the American Civil Liberties Union, specifically of Texas. Uh, who said they will challenge the measure in court. So we'll see. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks, Ruckus. We're going to have to keep an eye on this one, but you know we'll be doing that. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers, or violent drunks, or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Caution. You are about to to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. All right, this is State of the Nation live at today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And here's one out of Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. There's a new book. Isn't it wonderful? An insider's account of Nixon the man, president and peacemaker. The peacemaker, Nixon, the man president and my friend will make you reconsider the life and legacy of 37th president of the United States. Ben Stein, welcome to State of the Nation. You've said that you don't think any president has been more wrongly persecuted than Nixon and that he was a saint. Welcome to a living, breathing saint, a living, breathing saint and following along with biblical injunction, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Never has a president or any leader of any large nation gone to bat for the children of Israel and risked nuclear war, or as, or as the Bushes would say, nuclear war, uh, to uh, save the children of Israel when they were being persecuted and threatened by the effing Russians. And uh, that's uh, uh, an extraordinary thing. He ended the war in Vietnam. He opened relations with the Chinese. I don't think uh, the presidents that followed him have done quite as well in dealing with the Chinese as Mr. Nixon did. Uh, he rebuilt America's armed forces. He stopped the bloodshed in the streets. 
And I know because I was part of that bloodshed in the streets. And uh, he was a man who ended the last vestiges of racial segregation in the deep south in the United States. It's a kind of an interesting thing, which you may or may not know. When Mr. Nixon became president in 1969, uh, some fairly large percentage of all the public schools in the deep south of the U.S. were still racially segregated by law. And when he left office, there were almost none. Wow. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I remember that. I'm old enough to remember that. Um, oh, no, not, you're not. You're not old enough <laughs> to remember that. Uh, well, young, I, I kind of am. I'm a young whippersnapper. Well, listen, yeah, it's a real pleasure hippie. to have you on you're the show. A, you're a young hippie. hippie. Yeah, don't kid. ever accuse my 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 old man would 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 have <clears> taken great great offense at uh, thinking his son was a hippie. But let you me ask you this, Ben. It, it, it's it's <laughs> it's wonderful to see you. Um, you're very kind did, to say so. Nixon came under a withering assault. It was the biggest political hit. Frankly, the the closest one we have in recent memory has got to be Donald Trump for different yes, reasons. Yes, I think so. I think so. But this this is a kind of political hit. They really put the kibosh on this administration and he did a lot of great things and i've always a lot of great things and the thing that always puzzled me about nixon's legacy was that he was due to steamrolled that election this watergate break-in never had to happen but that was all the rope they needed to get this guy out of there are you seeing any similarities with what's happening now uh, very much so and uh again i see that the american people are disgusted and <clears throat> saddened horrified by the weak leadership of President Biden, who, by the way, is not by any means all bad. But anyway, uh, Mr. Nixon won the election in 72 by the largest electoral landslide in American history. Uh, even uh, even Lincoln, after the Civil War, did not re realize such a win. Sir, he didn't do anything wrong. You cannot go through Watergate, through the tableau, of Watergate and find anything that he did seriously wrong. Nothing, nothing, as we Jews say, garnished nothing. And yet the media found enough on him to string him up with false, horrible, lying piano wire. What was, what in your estimation, what was the worst lie that they told about him or the, the most damaging thing to his character in the public eye? that he was uh, a warmonger and that he was trying to start another war. And in fact, he was, uh, war was anathema to Mr. Nixon. Mr. Nixon's mother, I think father too, but I'm, I'm sure her mother, was a Quaker, a peacemaker. And she believed that the greatest good a human being could do on this planet was to be a peacemaker. And uh, when she, uh, when she, brought that up to Mr. Nixon when he was still a very young man. She said the greatest good you can do in your lifetime on this planet is to save the children of Israel. You're going to be presented with an opportunity to do that. Her name was Hannah Nixon. She was a nurse and she wanted to uh, cure suffering. And boy, did she ever. Let's talk about that. Because uh, you mentioned the, the Russian threat to Israel um, I mean, a lot of people, and, and it's no shock to me, Ben, that the history books and the history teachers and professors in universities around here do not teach uh, the truth of that. But we were close to like DEFCON 3 or 4 or something. I mean, it was yeah, really yeah. 
Very, it was very touch hairy there for a while. Touch and go, touch and go sir. And because the, the Russians said that if the Israelis went into Egypt and stopped the Egyptians uh, when uh, or held them up when Israel was going to surround Cairo, uh, he the Russians would send in their super supposedly super good paratroopers to stop the Israelis. Now we have since learned that the whole Russian defense establishment is nowhere near as fearsome as we thought it was. Still, Nixon risked a great deal by threatening to use uh, American armed forces at its ultimate limit, which is to say that, as the Bushes would say, nuclear weapons. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that some people still can't figure that one out, Ben. I now, know. Ben, I know. <laughs> it's I know. amazing. And you know what's amazing to me? Sir, I am on television or, or internet a great, great deal, a really startling amount. And when I say nuclear, where hardly anyone gets it as a joke and that there, there is no such word as nuclear. all right um we're gonna take a quick headline here sir so if you don't mind holding the line while we bring this headline in we'll come back and of course find the world according to ben stein out there on spotify and all good platforms out there this is state of the nation on today's news talk tnt radio hey hey what are you guys doing uh we're breaking news oh okay carry on TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a stringent immigration law on December 18th, granting state law enforcement extensive powers to detain migrants who enter Texas illegally. Abdul Nasser Benbrika, originally from Algeria and a convicted terrorist, has been released from an Australian prison, but is subject to over 30 stringent conditions. An alleged Israel-linked hacking group has claimed responsibility for a significant cyber attack that disrupted Iran's consumer fuel network. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk. We're with Ben Stein right now. So, Ben... Your new book uh, is all about your relationship with President Nixon. Can can you tell us? Do you have any uh, personal stories? Uh, you know, any of your experiences that you want to uh, impart to us? He was a wonderful man, and he, a couple of his wisdom, words of wisdom. Uh, someone, but my, let me just be honest about this. A lot of my progress in life has been due to the fact that my father was a very famous guy and a, a very super smart guy and he was one of the nation's or maybe even the world's leading economists and he was chairman of the council of economic advisors for president nixon and then for president ford and uh, one time my father and i were taking a health stroll through the executive office building right next to the white house and uh we were talking about the republicans in the house of representatives and mr nixon said most of them are not fit to be dog catchers and i'm sorry to say that i think he was all entirely correct and then another time we were talking in the cabin room we were talking about having a price freeze because you you guys are way too young you're hippies you're hippies <laughs> from the pre-nuclear world and and uh mr. someone said to president nixon mr president you can't walk on water twice <clears throat> and mr nixon said you can if it's frozen by which he meant that if we had a place price freeze you could walk on water <laughs> That's great. But he was, you know, it's an interesting thing about Mr. Nixon. Mr. Nixon 
is reputed in the media to be a racist and a Jew hater. He wasn't any of those things. He did, yes, he made country club jokes about Jews. In America, if you're of a certain economic class, you make jokes about Jews. That's just what, that's just the way the world is in, in America and about African Americans and, and anybody you feel like making jokes about. Mr. Nixon did that a little bit, but he was a, a man of extraordinary tolerance had no dislike of Jews whatsoever on a personal basis. He had a lot of Jews surrounding him from the very first days of his work in politics. I was a very close friend of his son-in-law, David Eisenhower, and his daughter, the Julie Eisenhower, probably the most wonderful girl in the world, uh, except for my wife. And uh, I, and I don't, I don't understand why people thought of him as a racist. He was no more of a racist than any of you hippies or I. <laughs> you know, I, I as you tell this story, Ben, the uh, it, it's just it's just not lost on anyone. Especially when you mention we talk about Watergate, we talk about the Washington Post back in the day, the Bradley days of the Washington Post, uh, and, and we talk about Woodward and Bernstein. They were precursors. Uh, everybody, they, oh, the left hailed them as heroes. The journalists said this is real journalism. Well, now we've seen every journalist that's come after them basically try and say, okay, well, I'm going to pull my own Woodward and Bernstein, and we've got the perfect guy to do it to Trump. The, 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 it seems to me the comparison, you can't get away from it. Uh, they accuse Nixon of being a anti-Semite and a racist. Well, Trump has suffered those same slings and arrows, even though his mad. own daughter is a converted <laughs> Jew. And he's mad. he's got Jews all throughout his, his whole world i mean it's, it's might as well be called trump and the jewish world it's a it's an insane thing to call him a racist it was an insane thing to call nixon a racist you know who the biggest racist of my lifetime was by far and now this shows how old i am harry truman harry truman wouldn't lift a finger for israel and was under attack by all the surrounding arab states when it was being formed his wife, Bess, a charming lady, to be sure, and a friend of my mother's, by the way, which would not in any sense make her not an anti-Semite. And uh, she made Mr. Truman, when he entered politics, promise that he would never allow a Jew in the House. Goodness. Nobody ever brings that up, but it's 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 known. Why doesn't anyone ever bring that up? He, uh, Truman was, and Truman was a great guy. Truman was one who uh, gave the all clear to bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which probably saved three or four million uh, lives of Americans, Australians, New Zealanders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And by the way, I have been to Australia a few times. I love it. I just love Australia. You know what I love the most? Is it for every meal they give you spaghetti and bolognese sauce? Every meal, no, <laughs> no exceptions. It's all it might as well be called Spagbolistan, but it's just a great stuff. I love, love, love Australia, <laughs> and yes, Australia absolutely. loves America. And you know, it's an amazing thing. People don't realize during World War II, Australia had a mighty fleet, a very mighty fleet. And yep. so did New Zealand. And and now now they're virtually disarmed. And uh, nobody knows that they were at one time a major maritime power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So when Australia is see... a great country, a really, really great country. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, 
Well, Steve and I need to go. So, Steve, uh, yeah, we got to plan that bags. trip. <laughs> Definitely. We keep, we keep threatening. Yeah, we'll, we'll I, be there I, one I of these days. But I, but I do recommend if you go, go first class. It's a really long flight. Yeah, it's a yeah. yeah. And 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 that and that Ben is why we haven't gone yet. <laughs> well, that's a good reason. Money is an incredibly important thing in life. And that's another thing. Here's Biden has robbed this country blind, absolutely robbed it blind in various yeah. ways. And his son is the thief of thieves. Now, don't get me wrong. One of his sons died very young. And it breaks my heart and I, my heart goes out to the family. But Mr. Biden and his family are a bunch of effing thieves Still sympathy because the kid died young. God bless his soul. But Nixon never stole a dime. He said the American people have got to know that their president is not a crook. And by that, he didn't mean that he wasn't didn't have human frailties. Of course he had human frailties. But he never stole any money. And that's a big thing. Politicians steal money. That's what politicians do in America. Do you, uh, do you yeah. think, Ben... Do you think that he'll ever be uh, rehabilitated? Yes, yes, I do. I know you're trying to do that. I am trying to do that. I love the man. I love him. In fact, I will tell you, if I may, I hope I may, that I woke up this morning feeling very upset. I had made a serious mistake in banking. Uh, You know, everyone thinks Jews are incredibly good with money. We're not. And uh, uh, I had made a serious mistake. I was getting calls from my bank saying, you're overdrawn here, you're overdrawn there, but you're not overdrawn here and here. I just made one mistake after another. And I thought, I'm going to go to the Nixon Library. That's the only place I will feel that life makes any sense. (laughs) All right. I'm not kidding. Have you you guys ever been to the Nixon Library? No, no. I have never. Uh, where, Where are you guys located? I'm in Texas. I'm on uh, I'm on the Jersey Shore. Really? <laughs> Texas and the Jersey Shore. Okay, well, God bless you. I, I mean, if you're if you're on the air, I think that's what counts. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, we have the mothership TNT in Australia to thank for it. You know, this has been such an amazing platform to bring hosts from all around the world live 24-7. You know, I love it's, it. It's... I love it. If I were to be holding up my little transistor radio and wanted to hear you late in the middle of the night suppose i'm up with an upset stomach which happens a lot i'm an old man and uh how would i uh, get you guys on the radio streaming you'd have to stream us on an ipad the old transistor I, 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 I can work. do it i can I, yeah. I can get an ipad i can get an ipad that's tnt radio dot live okay boys let's remember that i have my wonderful wonderful helpers here TNT radio dot live. Okay. I want to listen and the the TNT radio app. We have an app you can download that's live 24 seven and we're on the video streaming services. So YouTube Odyssey and rumble the videos live 24 seven on rumble. Rumble is like my favorite place in the world. TNT radio. Say say the one for, 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 for rumble for rumble again, please. Yes. Uh, TNT radio is the, is the account on rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Today's news talk. Okay, tntradio.com on Rumble. Dot live. That doesn't sound. That sounds like that sounds like long. That sounds like a, a very long. Address. Just go to Rumble. Just, look, just go to just, Rumble and put in TNT Radio. You'll find. Okay. It. Yeah. Boys, TNT Radio. We'll do it. 
All right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, sir, we're just about out of time. No, uh, I'll leave- no, there's no such thing as being out of time where I live. In Southern California, there's always time. There's always time. Hey, that's right. That means that's right. In Spanish, that means there will always be time. Yes. I love it. I love it. Any final thoughts for us before we got to let you go, Ben Stein? And thank you so do much. Do a better us. job than I do in keeping track of your banking. I don't want to <laughs> pretend I'm poor. I'm not poor, but I am a slob of slobs when it comes to money, and I pay a price for it. All right. <laughs> That's uh, very well, odd given who your father was, but we'll let you I know. know my on. father was a very famous economist. He didn't even know the meaning of the word overdraft, whereas my <laughs> middle name is overdraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless you, Ben Stein. And God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Where on the Jersey Shore are you, if I may ask? I'm, uh, I'm in Point Pleasant. I used to, when I grew up in Washington, D.C., suburbs, I used to spend a lot of time in Rehoboth Beach and in Ocean City, Maryland, Rehoboth, Delaware, and Ocean City, Maryland. And I love that whole area of the, of the shore. And, I, and yeah, that, Eastern Seaboard is beautiful. Next, next weekend, I'm going to be in uh, Talbot County, Maryland, uh, on the shore, on the shore of the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, fine. Awesome. That sounds amazing. It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. All right. Well, Ben, right, well, thank I'm you so much. I'm going to let you guys go and eat your crabs or whatever it is you're going to be eating. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you too, sir. The Peacemaker, Nixon, the man, the president, and my friend. Get the book. And, of course, The World According to Ben Stein. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a republican or a democrat ask yourself the following questions did you favor the baphomet statue being erected at the iowa state capitol did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a senate hearing room and posted online. And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, This next election is the choice between normal and crazy. Wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Asthma is a growing problem, especially among children. Asthma affects the quality of life for millions like me every single day. My name is Chris Draft, and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
Oh, yes. Well, in what first appears to be a good thing for consumers, the Biden administration is threatening to use the federal, uh, the Fed's walk-in rights on drug makers uh, that either don't produce enough of said needed drug or if the Feds decide the prices are deemed too high. That sounds good, right? As a consumer, you think that's good. Well, maybe it's not so good once you get all the details and we learn about the consequences uh, of doing that would be. So joining us to discuss all this, Market Institute founder and president, Charlie Sauer. Charlie, hello, sir. Welcome back to State of the Nation. Tell us about the Fed's walk-in rights and and how this, while sounding good to consumers, and it's going to be sold that way, may not be as good as we think it is. Yeah, I mean, this is just another part of the populist agenda. And this is coming from the Biden administration, but it could be coming from the right as well, because populism is kind of the name of the game. It's whatever sounds good today, sells in politics. And the idea of the federal government waving their magic wand and granting lower pharmaceutical prices sounds like one of those things. And this is uh, the margin rights is what they're called. It dates back to the Bayh-Dole Act of 1980. And that bill was passed so that private companies would actually start using the research that our nation's universities were creating. Before that, there wasn't a financial interest to be able to do that because you didn't own the patent. You couldn't license the patent. But the Bayh-Dole Act made it so that private companies could come in and actually license patents from universities. And so what we had is this boon in research and development of being able to use the research that was started at universities and then actually commercializing that and making it something better. But the problem with the government exercising these margin rights is that that means companies are going to stop investing in university research and develop it. It means that they're going to go in different ways. And so we're going to have less innovation as less money gets spent on research and development. So why it might mean lower drug prices today, it means that my kids won't have the drugs that they possibly could have in the future. And that's a real thing. Like in Japan right now, they have have access to 150 less drugs than we have just because they have a more stringent FDA. So this means real world access to future drugs is going to be harmed. But you know, the the Biden administration can get that little high today for our payment tomorrow. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I think about this in, you know, the framework of, uh, well, as it sits right now, uh, like 70 to 75 percent of peer reviewed studies are not even repeatable. So it's like we've already got an ingrained problem in this system, right? Like we're 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 bringing the physician's desk, you know, reference book thicker and thicker and thicker and new diagnoses being added to it over and over and over again. And then a medication being marketed to go with the new diagnosis or to go as a supplemental for an older diagnosis that may have a a medication that's, you know, now going generic or something like that. I guess I'm just sort of riffing on what you said there about that vulnerability that the public faces when universities, pharma, and government are are sharing grants and doing the peer reviews. So there's several levels to this, and uh, I think it's worth kind of addressing all of them, and I'll do it as quickly as possible. But in this case, first off, pharma makes a good boogeyman, right? They like 
that nobody really likes high drug prices because they affect us around our kitchen tables. And we know that they're likely a false price. But when we start looking at the market, it turns out it's likely not the pharmaceutical companies that are doing this. It's this mix between bad government policy and then private sector middlemen coming in. Now, in a normal market where it's functioning correctly, middlemen can come in and actually provide efficiencies to markets. But where you have government involvement in a market, middlemen usually come in to actually uh, increase the efficiency of using government policy or increase the efficiency of extracting money from government. And that's the problem that we see in this market. And there's uh, several good articles. I actually wrote an article a few years ago that points to one of the pharmaceutical companies talking about how pharmacy benefit managers are extracting money from them in the middle. But one of the things, and there's another piece to what you were talking about that I want to mention as well, that the, the fact is, is we might have an expensive drug today, but because the patent is limited, is only granted for a limited time, we do have a cheaper drug in the future. And so if we don't want those future cheap drugs, we're also not going to get the future, the current expensive drugs, because that incentive to actually develop them and invest in it and risk the bottom line to create the new drug isn't there. That's what gives these boards and the investors that thing that they need to invest in the drugs. And then lastly, and this is quick, this one doesn't just involve drugs. This movement by the Biden administration involves invites all industries, invites the government to march in on everything. So if somebody creates a new hand sanitizer and the government doesn't think that they're charging either not enough or they're not making enough and producing enough, the government can come in and hand that invention to Johnson & Johnson. And I'll tell you what, every big company is going to watch what the small startups are doing. And as soon as they're successful at all, they're going to come in and say, I'll tell you what, I can do this better. And it means that the government is basically going to socialize itself as they start handing all of these innovations over to the bigger companies that honestly can do it better. But if we just leave it with the small companies, they can become the big companies and efficient themselves. Yeah. You know, Charlie, I tell you, it's and the timing of this is so suspect, too, because frankly, everybody is a little bit wary of big pharma after the covid debacle. But I agree with you in so many respects what you're saying. R&D in the pharmaceutical world is outrageously expensive. It's very, very pricey to bring a new drug to market, especially getting it through all the FDA uh, loops and stuff. And it sounds to me like what you're really saying is government is going to screw this whole thing up for everybody. And then, you know, in other words, uh, you know, nobody misses the water until the well runs dry. And what 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 the Biden administration is threatening to do here is basically just crush innovation in the name of, well, this is going to be good for the consumer. And knowing that the consumer is already a little bit cynical of the of big pharma, quote unquote, maybe this is a good political time for him to make this move. But this could be disastrous going down the road. Right. That's why I like coming on this show, because you are already know the punchline to this joke. And that's the government messes everything up. It's just a simple fact. When we look across all markets, whenever the government's involved, the market is being manipulated and messed up. And so when we look at drug prices, where we do see lower drugs is where the government has been taken out of the system and where the middlemen have been bypassed. 
So Mark Cuban, for instance, is selling drugs uh, cheaper than Walmart. Walmart made a huge move a few years ago to decrease their prices. And I know independent doctors that are still providing drugs cheaper than what Mark Cuban is providing. So all we need to do is get the government out of the way. And basically that means giving patients the ability to use their money how they want to, because people, as far as a community or as far as a society is concerned, we're going to compete the drugs down to lower prices. That's the way markets work. But when we have our employers paying for our insurance and the government giving them a tax break, and we have everybody in between trying to make that the most efficient market for themselves, everybody except the patient, in that case, we have these runaway prices when there's no control and only politicians coming in and trying to throw Band-Aids on top of it. That is not how a market works. That's not how it should work. And, you know, it's it's Reagan all over again. It's I'm from the government and I'm here to help are the scariest things you can hear. Uh, yeah, yeah. Th this sounds like a massive uh, you use the word socializing, the government socializing itself, you know, and 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 the the people here in America, we get this this uh, infantilized dialectic, you know, of oh, it's just right versus left. You've only got two choices, and if you're on the extreme of one side, you call the other Nazis. If you're on the extreme of the other side, you call them communists. But when you really start looking at fascism and socialism and then applying the raw definitions of those to policies like this uh i mean where are we it looks almost like a like a you know techno authoritarian state that uses all the worst aspects of uh socialist countries and fascist countries but with a technocratic overlay and then a media overlaid lens that makes it look like it's all for our own benefit I was trying to describe to uh, somebody who doesn't follow politics the other day very much where it was, uh, how is it that you listen to these conversations and how you should interpret them? And I, I had to point out that there's several different types of people delivering the message. There's a campaign message that's being delivered. There's a media message. And then there's also this nerd message. And you really need to find the nerd message and dig into that because those are the people that while we might be debating policies, we're actually digging into the policies and debating that. We had Obama ran and as a part of his campaign, almost a million dollars against Romney for putting forward a tax on people's healthcare benefits. But when you look at the way Obamacare was rolled out, it included a tax on healthcare benefits. And that's because Every single person that looked at the issue knew that the only way to help solve the healthcare problem was a tax on healthcare benefits because the unions, for instance, were just running away by increasing their healthcare benefits and it was doing nothing to increase the actual quality of healthcare. It was just increasing the, the uh, perceived value of what they got and it wasn't actually doing anything real. And so everybody, every academic that looked at it agreed on that. And when you look into politics, you can find these issues and you can find the nerds, find the nerdiest person you can, make sure that they haven't worked on a campaign, make sure they don't work for the media and go ahead and dig into what they're saying. Because even if they don't agree with me, they're digging into the policy. They probably have something smart to say, and those are the people you should listen to. Yeah, and and you know, Charlie, as I think about this, what 
What scares me is something you said in the first segment when you said, if they can do this to the drug manufacturers, it'll metastasize basically into other industries. So in other words, this little uh, march-in plan that they've got for drug makers could well be used against us in other ways, too. It's the uh, the uh, proverbial camel's nose under the tent flap, isn't it? I mean, th- th- this is, uh, you know, Reagan joked about, I'm from the government, I'm here to help being the nine most scary words in the English language. But the only thing that could be more scary is, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, and you have no choice, you will accept my help. Yeah, and uh, I don't, I'm not going to expand on that because we would get into the longest, we would get into the scariest 30 words from uh, uh, the government. But I think that even <laughs> in, in this case, it's the government is going to help. You can't say anything, and I'm not even going to pass it through Congress. This is yeah. something that the Biden administration is doing by themselves. They're doing it not just to pharmaceutical industries. They're doing it across the board to all government research. And so I do think in the next couple of months, we're going to see pushback from all industries and all markets as entrepreneurs across the country realize that this is the government coming after what, what they use as not the actual research that they take to uh, make into a product and commercialize, but kind of the basic idea that proves that a concept works. It takes a lot of work between getting the basic research that's done by government and finding a product that's actually commercializable, sellable, has demand, and is actually going to make investors the large profit that they want to make. That's just not anything that a university produces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've spoken with uh, one of our TNT colleagues, Joe Olson, about patent law and copyright law a number of times. He's very knowledgeable about that. I think you and I may have tossed this one around a bit before, too. But there's like uh, rules and, and, and red tape and bureaucracy within patent law now that basically allows eternal lawfare against innovators and inventors and stuff like that. So I imagine this is going to just be another brick in the wall against those type of people. Uh, your thoughts in our final minute here on that. So this is one of the reasons why I find this one of the more important issues that we can talk about. Uh, Patents are the cornerstone of what America was built on. Freedom, yes, that's important. But the thing that makes us different than uh, being under the king was that we gave the, the only right in the Constitution was the right to ownership to your ideas for a limited amount of time. And that is what actually set our country apart. We had better bridges almost right away because of these patents. We had people that were coming up with ideas and investing in them and making our country better and more efficient than other countries, which really created this America that we know today. And when you look at that, and when you look at how key that was to America's success, anytime you attack that, it not only harms the economy today, it's going to harm the economy in the future, and it's going to harm morale. I can I can no longer go and tell my daughters that they can go into the garage and create the next best mousetrap. Now they have to go into the garage, correct, get the next best mousetrap, and race to the patent office with $20,000 and a team of lawyers. And now they have to hope the government doesn't come after them and claim it was their research that they were working on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and invent a few more bureaucracies to make sure that, you know, that everything is copacetic. It's just, yeah. 
just amazing all right market institute institute.org charlie sour always appreciate your perspective here on state of the nation i always feel like i walk away with some lessons learned i want to thank you for your time and of course merry christmas to you merry you christmas great charlie. christmas season charlie thank you guys all right that's charlie sour right here on state of the nation stay tuned for top of the hour headlines with today's news talk tnt radio